and welcome to another episode of Copy That. My name is Dan Portnoy. Thanks for listening. This podcast is about creativity, but for the last few weeks, we've been spending a little time on uh, some creativity that I did, which was a book I wrote a few years back called The Nonprofit Narrative. And um, since then, it's been adopted by several schools um, and taught as curriculum, and a lot of people bought it, which is really cool. But today we're going to be talking with Angie Albright. Angie Albright is the director of the Clinton House Museum and Historic Castle. And uh, she was someone I met not long after the book was out, actually, and worked with the uh, Arkansas Nonprofit Alliance uh, there in Arkansas, in Fayetteville, and uh, had a great time with them, went down, talked with them, uh, shared about the book. Uh, They showed me all the sites, which Fayetteville's got some neat stuff in it i was pretty surprised there was there was a speakeasy that i was taken to that was very choice and uh it was well hidden and it was great so that was super fun uh, also it's amazing because walmart's uh headquarters are there the amount of commerce that's going in and out of that area and i was uh my eyes were were very open to that it was amazing anyway so angie's going to talk with us today and she's going to be talking about how to involve your audience uh being reminded and i think that's the biggest thing with the book was not that i was coming up with some new crazy idea it was more here are some reminders to all of these great marketing managers and uh, development directors that they can take and put into their uh, communications right away. So that's what we talk about. So check it out. Um, Also, just a reminder, there's also a bunch of free resources. So if you're a nonprofit and you're liking the sound of this, you can go to my uh, website at portnoymediagroup.com, go under book, and you will see um, there's a whole bunch of resources, including a 41-page free downloadable workbook to take you through the book um and it's uh completely free all you have to do is just uh sign up give me your email and i will give you this book super simple um all right well that's enough of me why don't we get to angie take it away so tell me who you are what you're up to okay i am angie albright and i am currently the director of the clinton house museum a historic house museum in Fayetteville, arkansas and I'm also active in several other nonprofits and have played numerous roles in the nonprofit sector, but started my professional life as an English professor teaching literature and teaching storytelling. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, I didn't know that. That's neat. That's super <laughs> fun. That's super fun. Yeah. And how long have you That's been why with... When you mentioned Joseph Campbell, like when I first saw your book. Right. Like, oh, Joseph Campbell. This is my, this is my thing. This is my jam right here. Oh, fun. Fun, fun, fun. That's great. That's great. So how long have you been with, with uh, uh, Clinton House? Uh, two and a half years. Oh, wow. Well, great. Great, great, great. And then we met each other. You were working with um, the Center for Nonprofits? The Arkansas Nonprofit. The yeah. Arkansas Nonprofit Alliance. Right. The state um, nonprofit organization. That's great. Well, how did you first find out about uh, or hear about the nonprofit narrative? Like many things, I think um, I was introduced to you and your book through Mike Rush, who was not yet at Pure Charity, but soon to be, or maybe had just started at Pure Charity, I think. And um, we were talking about potential speakers for our marketing and communications 
conference and he had just seen something you had done and recommended you. Okay, that's super fun. That's super fun. So you're at the Arkansas Nonprofit Alliance yes. and, you're, and you're hearing about this. And then um, I came in and we talked and did anything change for you? Yes, because um, it should have been more apparent to me um, going from an academic world where I was teaching the principles of uh, Joseph Campbell's hero myth and teaching the principles of storytelling and narrative arcs and all those kinds of things. And I just hadn't yet brought it over into my nonprofit fundraising part of my career. And it just, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this is obvious. Of course, this is how you tell a story. And of course, nonprofits need storytelling. And now it's pretty common um, like we actually hear it all the time about your organization needs to tell its story and that kind of thing. But there isn't always a very good outline for, um, I had a lot of training and how stories are put together, but most people don't. I just happen to have that um, background, but most people don't. And sometimes you get all mired in the day-to-day and the administrative stuff. So being able to have a guide that says, you know, figure out your why and who's the villain, where's the antagonist, how are you going to close this thing out, um, is really helpful. Oh, that's so great. And then um, you were interacting with so many nonprofits uh, uh, then, and then now you're specifically, I mean, what's your staff like now? So we have a very small staff, but I will also say – One of the things that you cover here, I really ran into this um, last December in our year-end fundraising lettering campaign, and I know that storytelling is important, but what we do as a history museum is we tell a story about these people who lived here, and I was so used to telling that story, and I just couldn't quite figure out how to turn it around and say something interesting that isn't the same story we tell all the time. Mm. And then it's like, oh, right, audience, who's the audience? And as soon as I was able to switch my brain from we had 6,000 visitors in 2017, you know, or 2018 and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. as soon as I, oh, right, how do I talk about the audience and not the subject matter of the museum? And um, that prompted me to think about, okay, what do people say when they come here? And why mm. do they come here? And, um, so as soon as I was able to flip that, flip the mirror away from who we are to what uh-huh. people want and who our audience is, that changed the way I could tell that story. And we had a, I would say, two parts to a very successful campaign at the end of the year. Oh, fantastic. Because that is a, such a cool thing. I mean, it's normal for nonprofits to be like, hey, this is what we've always done. So you keep doing it and not changing perspectives. So that's super good right. on you for, for knowing that. Um, and, and it's amazing. The response difference is, is massive. It is. And I realized, too, I was reading my own letter that I was writing. Like, this is so boring. And you actually <laughs> say that somewhere in the book. Like, you know, do not bore your audience. And like, this is the most boring letter. Why would I give them even $10? And like, where is the story? And I had to really dig deep and think hard. And um, and then I, I came up with something good. And I got a, oh, a, lot, a lot of great feedback on that. Oh, that's so exciting. That's so neat to hear. Super neat. To yeah. Hear. So now, thinking through your story, 
um, and communicating it well. Um, have you, um, again, in a, a smaller nonprofit, if you're uh, dealing with a smaller staff, are you, you know, allowing for time to think through things and uh, creating those campaigns and trying to not be so uh, held to the tyranny of the urgent? Because that's such a, I mean, that's such a real, real issue, especially <laughs> with small nonprofits. Everything's on fire, right? It is. It's always on fire. But because we're dealing with history and cultural things and civic engagement, public service, things like that, um, we don't have quite the same, like, the DNA of our organization is storytelling. And so you have to pause and think about how are we going to talk about the people who lived here? And how are we going to talk about the community in the 1970s, which is our era in the 1930s? And how are we going to engage people? So we're always talking about how to tell a story. And it just, you know, it makes sense to then bring that over into our marketing campaigns and our fundraising. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. But it's not the same. It doesn't have the same urgency that something like homelessness might. Sure. But historic houses um, and historic preservation sometimes does have its own urgency. Sure. I mean, we haven't this year, but there are some places, you know, places that are, uh, well, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Yeah, I was going to say, that was on my mind. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and that's actually not as unusual in lots of historic preservation um, organizations. That's on the world stage right now, but actually right. there's sometimes some urgency around history. But but we don't have the same kind of thing as somebody might have in, like I said, homelessness or hunger, that right. kind of thing. Sure. Now, I'm also, I should add this too, I'm the board chair and a longtime member of a board of um, – organization called Feed Communities, and our mission is around creating sustainable food networks. And so one of the things I've been working with the staff on, and we're currently without an executive director, is telling a story about sustainable food. So it's kind of obvious to tell the story. It's important, but it can be a little bit cliche to tell the story about the the Head Start kids who don't know where carrots come from. Right. But when we're talking about the whole food network, let's talk to the farmers and the growers and let's talk to the people who work in the produce section at the grocery store and talk to the people who need food, talk to people who used to need food and now don't. And, you know, the, the food system has a whole bunch of stories to tell in all these different points in the network. Oh, wow. Do you deal with like food desert talk as well or no? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying yep. how that is such a big deal in, in poor communities. Uh, it's just... shocking. Yeah. A food abundant country yeah. where we have vast in some in rural communities where they might be growing food for somebody else um, right. and yet don't have anything except a convenience store for themselves. Yeah. 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 When my brother was in Southeast DC, he was like, oh, we're next to a food desert. And so he was talking about he was, this one restaurant. And it was like a convenience store, but also had like burritos. He was like, this is the <sighs> only, it was like fried chicken, burritos, and a convenience store. And he was like, this is yep. literally the only food. And people wouldn't believe here. that in a city yeah. like DC. I mean, I was there right. last week or a couple of weeks ago, but mm-hmm. I didn't see any grocery stores. I mean, I was in the city. But yeah. 
you know, I see a lot of restaurants, but all I saw was a Walgreens next to my hotel. I didn't see any stores to actually go to and buy fresh produce from. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just one other thing. Um, yeah. When I first launched the book, I got a lot of hassle that the book was so small. And now, no. several years later, people are like, oh, thank God. No. I will tell you. Okay. I am a part of a nonprofit professional development book club. Uh-huh. And one of the things we kind of joke about is that all these books that we read every month, and they tend to be organizational development or um, business books, not always, but um, there's always a couple of chapters at the beginning that explain why this person should be writing this book. And it's mm-hmm. like a fleshed out resume. And then there's a whole thing about Google and Southwest Airlines and um, what are the other big ones? But why those companies are so amazing. Apple is always an example. Yeah. And we're and we always sit around and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the meat of this thing? What's the point? Mm -hmm. And let's get to the real lessons. And I'm not going to go to the bookshelf when I'm sitting there at my desk trying to figure out my end of the year fundraising letter and trying to figure out what. Which, which of these stories am I going to tell? I'm not going to go to the big fat book. I'm going to mm-hmm. go to the other one where I can flip through it and look at what I've underlined and say, yep, that's it. There it is. That's what I need. Oh, that's great. That's great. We don't. I think a lot of us are kind of over some of that fluff. I'll read a novel if I want something long. Yeah. But what I want is bullet points. Right. Like get into it and then get yeah. back to the work. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. I'm I'm with you. That was exactly. the, that was the whole point. Um, it, it but it is funny how much I got I got so much cred. Like it's such a dainty little book, and I'm like, oh, it's only really. Pages, but everybody, everybody I know who it's for is really busy, so they yes, don't have right. time for this. Um, today, when I'm looking at it again, it was really helpful to me to go to the takeaways and the next steps, and like, oh, uh, right, hey, yes, okay, because you might not always need to read the whole thing again it's like where was that i saw that thing Mm -hmm. about arc and antagonist where was that at and you're just not going to read the whole thing again to find that is there anything about the book or or anything that in your experience with um in and around it the book or storytelling that you that we haven't covered that you'd like to make sure we cover so one of the things that i like and i had forgotten about it until um till recently and I see this in um, oh, when we talk about videography and sales funnels and things like that, um, is when you talk about doing the storytelling arc over a series of campaigns. And I think that we tend to think about it all, it all has to be in one letter, in one blog post, in one email. And so this idea of thinking about the overall arc of a story throughout a year is really helpful because then you can you can be sure you're not just saying the same things over and over again or you're kind of telling the same story with different names over and over again. But it makes you think about how to tell different stories each time. And I'd really kind of forgotten about that. And um some webinar or course I just sat through was 
that idea with the video and sales leads and things like that. Like, you know, the first video is 30 seconds and then a few weeks later you release the one minute video and then the minute and a half. And, but you only release it to the people who've watched so far into the last video. And so you think about that, um, you know, spreading out your campaign and thinking about it as a series is a really different way of creating sustainability and engaging with people at a different point each time. You are very encouraging to me right now. Okay. Very, very encouraging. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Anne. All right. Take care. Isn't she great? Thanks so much, Angie, for being on the show, talking with me about the nonprofit narrative, how you used it. I so appreciate it. You're so encouraging to me. Thank you. Um, again, if you're a nonprofit and you are in need of resources for, uh, especially free resources, because I don't know, it's a jungle out there raising money. Uh, well, the nonprofit narrative is a framework that can help you raise more money, tell a better story. And uh, that's actually where we spend our time, telling a better story. The money flows right after that, and it's not a secret. Um, it's also not simple, It's or it's not easy. It's simple, but it's it's just not easy. Um, There are uh, video versions of this class. You can check it out on my website, portnoymediagroup.com slash book or just nonprofitnarrative.com. Okay, that's it for the commercial. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Next week, we talk with Mike Rush and he is, well, kind of a, I don't know. There's, you know, there's people in your sphere that are just like full of magic. Mike Rush is one of those people for me. He just, he's hysterical, but he's also... Um, he's just so strategic. I don't know. His brain works in such a great way. It's and completely different than mine. It's it's kind of wild. So uh, stick around for that. Uh, thank you again. As always, you can connect with me online on Twitter or Instagram uh, at Dan Portnoy, or you can send me uh, any kind of questions you've got at Dan uh, to Dan at portnoymediagroup.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, You can listen to copy that anywhere. Um, You can grab a podcast. Do me a favor. If you could just just give it a rating, maybe a review if you're feeling super kind, Um, just whatever. That would be super, super helpful. Um, Thank you so much. Um, On behalf behalf of the cast of thousands, my name is Dan Portnoy. Have a great one and be safe.